Welcome to Intuitive Wellness, a podcast where I, Samara, and my partner, Lali, talk about relating to our bodies, identities, and oppressive systems, and share the tools that are working for us and our guests. This show is for witchy, introspective activists who struggle with trying to heal all the shit in their lives and in the world. If you believe that healing yourself is activism, you're in the right place. It's Samara here. Thank you so much for being interested in listening to our podcast and letting us be in your earbuds for the next, you know, 30-ish, 30 to 40 minutes or so. I am so grateful that you're here. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to pop in and let you know that I am running a program called Tarot for Justice for all of you tarot nerds out there or for all of you tarot curious folks who care a lot about leaving the world better than you found it. I think if 2020 taught us anything, it's that we have a lot of work to do before we can consider this world safe or just or even like a home for a lot of the people on the planet. And so what I've been doing with this program is showing people how they can develop a tarot practice that points them in the direction of how they're supposed to be using their voice or using their resources to leave the world better off than they found it. So people are more confident talking about social justice issues. People are actually making plans for different organizations that they want to start or different communities that they want to cultivate. People are actually meeting up and creating tarot decks together to show off all the different diverse ways that people can be represented through this art. So. I hope that you check it out if you're interested. I'm accepting students into the program until January 22nd, so you've probably got about a week and change if you're listening to this in real time. And if you have any questions, you can shoot me a DM at Kasai Thrive on Instagram. That's K-A-S-A-I-T-H-R-I-V-E. And I would love, love, love to have you in the program if it's feeling like a right fit. So I'm going to be leaving the link to the program page where you can check out everything that we're going to be covering over the six or eight weeks, depending on how you want to rock it. We've got two different levels of support. So you can pick the tier one option where you're getting each of the classes, you're getting each of the homework. And the tier two option gives you the classes, the homework, the Q&A calls, which have been really valuable. It also lets you do practice readings with me and with your peers so that we can all kind of exchange our knowledge and also give each other feedback and it gives you a one-on-one reading with me so you can either pick tier one or tier two tier one is a six-week program tier two is an eight-week program you can learn all about this and check out reviews from previous students at the link in the show notes so head over to that and check us out enjoy today's episode and i will talk to you somewhere soon bye today's episode is an amazing interview with emily schumann Emily is a multifaceted creatrix who works, teaches, and expresses from a down-to-earth and empathetic perspective. She suffuses her love of art, self-expression, and body awareness with her intuitive gifts in the following roles. Visual artist, intuitive practitioner slash healer, swing dancer and DJ, international coordinator for Kiar Artist Residency in Rangurajpur, India, podcast host for Sacred Adventure Begin, teacher of dance, yoga, meditation, and self-expression, and public speaker. As a former university professor, Emily spent over a decade balancing making and teaching art with her many creative passions. 
She has retired from this important work to create more integrative courses and offerings, which draw on her other qualifications, including certificates in yoga teaching, trauma and injury recovery, therapeutic art life coaching, life coaching, master Reiki, regenesis, plus multiple national swing dance first place competition wins for both Lindy Hop and Balboa, along with a master's of fine arts from Texas Tech in metalsmithing and painting and a graduate certificate in contemporary art theories. We are so excited to have her with us here today. Hello, Emily. We are so excited. We've been looking forward to talking to you for so long and I cannot wait to hear all of your wisdom and everything that you have to share with everyone. So to just kick us off, let us know who you are and how you like to help people and anything else you'd like to share via introductions. Sure. Well, I also have been looking forward to this for a while because <laughs> I think you all are both pretty rad and <laughs> and everything you post on Instagram, I totally agree with and get excited about. So yeah, I, f- I feel, <laughs> feel the love. Um, for, for the listeners, hi. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here with us too. I'm Emily. I, um, I call myself a wild and embodied creatrix because <laughs> try, trying not to limit exactly what I do because I find that uh, ideas and creativity and making just sort of flow out of me. And I, I've divided them into categories, but for the purpose of this, uh, I am a spiritual teacher. I am an intuitive healer, and I uh, also do a lot of work with people on self-expression and uh, how they can step into their voice in the world. Um, in whatever capacity that is for that specific individual, which is why um, I'm also, this is my first year in business. Actually, it hasn't even been a full year yet in my past life. (laughs) (laughs) I was an art professor for 12 years. So I I bring a little bit of that that, uh, academic pursuit to what I'm doing now. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I am. So it's, it's almost like being in a position where definitions don't really fit yet because I haven't figured out exactly what this is yet. And it's also really exciting for me to sort of like be on that path and be testing out different words. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for uh, giving us that introduction and teaching us too about like the language um, in defining what you do, especially when you're creating something so different. Um, I'm wondering if you would be able to tell us about what caused you to transition from being a professor to being this multifaceted creatrix. (laughs) I love this question. I'm going to try and give you the short answer. (laughs) But um, in in my um, academic pursuits, I was pushing myself too hard and I was living in a lot of scarcity. Uh, Before I got a full-time position, I was working three adjunct jobs. So I was teaching at three different universities. I was teaching what would be considered an overload. And if I were full-time at any one of the universities, I would be getting paid bank for that, but I wasn't. And and I ran a marathon (laughs) and then I taught at a dance camp that was a week long, uh, the week after my marathon, I just didn't know how to rest. And I, I was stuck in that, like, and I'm sure this is relatable for a lot of people, but we sort of grew up with this. I grew up in a, uh, like almost Lutheran (laughs) kind of like work will save you sort of mentality, like in it, in, and the more, the harder you work, the more you'll be compensated for it. And so I kept pushing myself like someday, 
you know, someone's going to recognize how awesome I am and actually pay me. And actually what was happening was people were recognizing how awesome I was. And then they were, I was accepting from them what they were giving me in exchange for that. And then pushing myself more to try and get more. And it was really unhealthy. And I broke my back. And it still um, took about five years to discover the severity of that. So I was like in and out of pain, in and out of doctor's offices with this mysterious injury that had an energy that I didn't understand. I didn't understand that I didn't feel supported. And I didn't understand how to ask for my worth. And so <laughs> I did I did damage to myself, um, just not having the tools to step back from that. Um, so I was going into surgery and the doctors sit you down when you're going to back surgery and they're like, okay, so like 50% chance that we'll do the surgery and you'll still be in pain. <laughs> like, and you're just listening to this and you're like, oh God, I'm going to do trauma to my body. And it, it's in the stress of that actually took me, I, I was telling one of my students about it and she goes, you know what? I have this great meditation teacher that I think you would like. And I was like, fuck meditation. I hate sitting still. Oh, I'm sorry. I cursed. I don't know. That's that's okay. yeah. cool. uh, I hate sitting still. That shit's for weird people. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> go do that. <laughs> and uh, I walked into that woman's office, um, Dr. Rebecca Martin in Louisville, Kentucky. And she is a uh, 80 year old ex hippie who has multiple PhDs. She was the exact person I needed. She was the logical with the um, spiritual. And she goes, do you, are, do you realize you're not breathing? And I was like, what? She was, no, you're not, you're not breathing. You're like just shallow. And I was like, what? And I took my first belly breath in that office. Oh, and, it, and then when I went into surgery the next day, they hooked me up to the machine and I was like, well, let's just see if this is real. So I started doing belly breaths and my oxygen levels went up and my heart rate dropped and it felt so like I could finally communicate with my body. And that's how it started. So <laughs> fast forward to getting a full-time position and being compensated. And then the university got rid of the position. <laughs> they didn't fire me. They just decided they didn't want sculpture there anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to take a year off. I had, I kind of knew it was coming. So I'd stashed cash, like a little rabid squirrel, just like, ah! <laughs> and And I took a whole year because they were like, well, you can come back and be adjunct. And I was like, I'm fucking not doing that. Like, it's not worth my time. And so I took a year and I went to India. (laughs) I learned art in India and I studied meditation and I studied yoga and I came back and decided I really still loved teaching. And this is where the like abundance journey begins, because Mm -hmm. then I decided I told the universe, I was like, I want to teach on Tuesday, Thursday. I want to teach between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. And I want to have other great things in my life, but I want to make the same amount that I made when I was full-time. And and so I told the university this. I go, I want to teach Tuesday, Thursday, (laughs) this amount of time. And they gave me back-to-back classes in those exact time frames. (laughs) And then everything else that I was working on in my life, like rose to that level income wise. And so all my little side projects that I now had time for, because I also said to the university, I'm only teaching in the fall. Wow. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want me, here are my requirements. And they're like, we do. And then it felt, 
even though the money, like it, it's so bizarre. Um, as a full-time professor, I made three times what I made as a part-time professor, as an adjunct professor. And we're not even going to get into the like adjunct positions were created so that universities could hire uh, the male professor's wives. Oh, wow. As like a sweetener for the package that they're offering the male professors. So it has this incredibly sexist status to it already. Mm -hmm. and um so there are things about it that bothered me but stepping into it from a more empowered position like I'm here because I I miss teaching college students I miss talking to them about their artistic voice um but I have other interests that I want to work on and mm -hmm. I I have a need to be compensated for what I bring to the world and it's not all going to come from this position it can come from other positions and just teaching myself how to be open to that and then yeah. This year, we moved to Boston. <laughs> and oh, you moved to Boston? That's crazy. I just yeah. I left Boston this year. <laughs> oh, I was in where, Boston for like five years. Where are you all now? I'm in San Diego now. Oh, oh my God. We might move there in the next two years. That's I have really a friend. <laughs> yes, you have friends. We're here for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, when my husband's job asked him to move up here, um, I had been considering if I wanted to quit teaching university students and try and open my own business and make it intuitive and teach people meditation and art and how to be themselves. And uh, that was it. That was like my sign from the universe. And uh, I had actually seen it in a meditation beforehand. And I had told him we were in the middle of remodeling our kitchen. And I go, um, I don't think we're going to be in this house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I remodeled the kitchen with my hands. Like it was me. It was my project. And he was like, are you going to be able to leave this kitchen? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's going to be fine. And, and he was like, well, where are we going? And I was like, I don't know. I just heard that we're moving. And like two weeks later, he came home and he goes, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and it was sort of, like I said, a sign from the universe. So that's, that's how I got started on my path. And that's actually, sadly, the short version of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't think that's sad at all. And I actually would love to catch up with you later and hear the long version because all of this is just like, so like, I can't get enough. So thank you. Thank you for yeah. blessing me short version um <laughs> the short when version. I'm on your podcast I can hear the long version <laughs> yes let's do it let's do it <laughs> okay. so I don't even uh, there's so much to go from there first of all I love this sense of I kind of decided what I wanted and then I asked for it and then it happened and one thing that I've been working on, I'm going to be really selfish with you. Um, yeah. I've been working on this sense of having like a confident expectation that like the things I want will actually come true for me. And I'm wondering what you think helped you kind of get from, I am kind of working, overworking myself and expecting other people to magically recognize me and like know that I deserve to be paid more and then pay me more to I'm telling people, I don't want to work that hard. I want to make this amount of money and I want to have space in my life for other things. And just people kind of like falling into place for you. Like, what do you think helped you make that transition? I um, got deported from India once. 
Okay. <laughs> the story gets juicier. <laughs> I flew 18 hours. I got put in airport jail. I got put directly back on the same flight and sent back home. And I didn't do anything wrong. It was this weird thing with my visa. Uh, anyway, yeah, I we, we both traveled. We get it. Visas <laughs> are a mess. Yes. So I'm in the airport. I have all this time. I'm low on sleep, and I'm literally asking the universe, like, "How the fuck did I get here?" Like, and so I, I was like, "Well, if I'm gonna suffer." <laughs> <laughs> if like this suffering thing is I was reading all the, these books on Buddhism mm. and uh, like if I know I'm going to suffer no matter what like what would be actually like something that I would have fun while suffering through <laughs> <laughs> so I sat down and I like made my list and I started with a priority of like how would I actually like want my day to go and if I had all the money that I ever could need or ask for And if I had all the love I could ever need and ask for and all the support I could ever need and ask for, what would my ideal week be like? What would my ideal month be like? What would my ideal year be like? And it's so important for anyone who's listening, it's so important to take out all of the stakes of the stories that you tell yourself. So like if your security is at stake, you're going to write down different things and they're always going to be influenced by that scarcity. If your uh, belonging is at stake, you're going to write down things that aren't quite true to what you actually want so like take those things out like really feel into like if I had every need that I had and if I knew that suffering was going to happen but I might as well be uh having the time of my life while I'm suffering like (laughs) (laughs) what what would be these things and um so I got I got I wrote them down and then I just decided starting with that day that I could I could I could shape my day to be that And that's where I got those hours. Like I'm only working nine to five on Tuesday and Thursday because I need Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to make art. Mm -hmm. Or I need Monday to make art and I need Wednesday to dance and I need Friday to, you know, whatever it is, whatever, whatever is your thing that you want to do. Yeah. And, and then I just started communicating that. And then the world started meeting my expectations and it was actually like starting small with just like how can I make my day better because I knew I I knew I didn't want to teach an 8 a.m because I want my mornings to meditate mm-hmm. so then all I have to do is say I, I don't want to work at 8 a.m Let, let's say you don't want to work at 8 a.m <laughs> you, you want to meditate from 8 until let's get real let's let's meditate from 8 a.m all the way until noon yes. so that's going to be the foundation for the next job that you look for or for how you schedule your own working hours or whatever. And actually I need to give you kudos for that. Uh, Cause when we were scheduling this, you were like, I decided to put all my peopling on certain days of the week. And I was like, oh, genius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just rolled out a new schedule and I love it. <laughs> ah, I'm so glad. Yeah. Like instead of having to like set up to make art and then set up, set up again to talk to somebody on zoom and then set up again for a different thing. And now I just make art on certain days and now I just people on certain days and it's genius. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's honestly something that, um, I don't, I, I can't say that I went through as much of like a thought process as you did. And, and I will, I do have to tell you though, when my spirits are talking to me through other people, I know that because my ears are ringing and my ears have been ringing like the whole time you've been talking. Ah! So 
thanks for being a vessel. Um, yeah. Oh no, I'm a channel. That's also part of what I do. <laughs> uh, of course. I love it. I love it. Um, and so the other thing I was going to say was that really the, the transparency into my schedule is just that I do clients in the middle of the week because I feel like when I'm in service mode, I want to be in service mode continuously. So clients are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then things that are more fun for me, like podcasting and like maybe just doing like how I, I took this marketing class earlier today, just like stuff that just feels like I'm enriching my life. That's Monday, Friday. And so here we are on a Friday <laughs> recording this podcast episode. But it was I more just like, how do I want to feel? Like what mode do I want to be in? And for how long do I feel like I need to be in that mode, you know? Yeah. I also I also think it takes a little bit of bravery to just state that like, this is what I want and to like put it out there because there, there was obviously the chance that like my, um, the people I used to work with would be like, no, we want you to teach Wednesday. And I would have been mm -hmm. like, okay, no, bye, I'll find something else. Like yeah. it, it, it would have driven me toward having a, a solo business a little bit sooner. Cause this I think is part of my life path, but mm -hmm. it was also part of my life path to see that the universe can support you. If you get real about what is it that I actually do want? Why do I want it? And then communicate it like, Hey, <laughs> I want this. And, and wanting doesn't mean like wanting things for yourself. Like I still taught, even though I wasn't being compensated the way that I thought I should be, because I wanted to be of service in that way. Mm -hmm. And wanting to be of service that way and being specific about when it can occur in my life and then having that realized actually made me feel really good about it. I showed up, I was like, I'm not getting enough money, but I love the shit about, I love being here. I love talking to you about your art. I love teaching you how to draw. I love helping, I love see, being part of your world vision. Like, yeah. and so then it was enough. And I was being compensated enough because it, you know, didn't push on any of my other boundaries. Yeah. I so love I was, that. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, no. It's like a whole, I don't think we teach people to um, think like that. And then I also don't think we teach people how to like pivot if they get a no or to learn how to like be okay with a no or to, I, I like that you said uh, when my spirits are talking to me. Uh, through the world when when my messages are being reflected to me like, I don't think we teach people how to understand that like when I was being uh, deported from India <laughs> that was the world saying not now yeah and when I met when I went back I met like somebody who became my best friend and I wouldn't have met her if I didn't have to go back you know it was interesting I have a question yeah. that's not super uh, related, but <laughs> I guess I'm wondering if like in, in this whole transition of feeling like, okay, this like academic institution is expecting these things of me and is not compensating me adequately. Um, and, I, and I don't know if like, um, I guess I'm wondering if you transfer like some of those beliefs into the, the teachings around art to the students, like for them to also not feel like I have to follow this path you know, I get to explore different options. It's not just this one way of being an artist or whatever. Yes. At the end of every semester, I love that you asked that. <laughs> I have this ridiculous PowerPoint of um, like all of the artists I know. And I got really personal with my friends. I would be like, where does your income come from? 
what what does this look like what what is your mix because i have a friend that is a really delightful um glass artist and she her mix is primarily she works as a gallery director and so she spends a lot of time in front of the computer, but she has a steady income. She gets her insurance paid for, and then she does her art in her spare time. Now I have another friend <laughs> who is an illustrator and is kind of famous. <laughs> and so she makes most of her art doing that. And then she pays other people to be the director of her work. And I have other friends whose mixes, uh, like I have another one who has a couple of different properties. So she has passive income while she makes art. Mm -hmm. And and so I talked to them about how like when you go out there, you just need to know like I, I making my art and art could be dance. Art could be what you're doing, what we're doing right now, sharing ideas. But like I'm committed to this in the world. And so I'm going to work other things around this with the understanding that like, okay, so this, this might not initially solve my need for security or financial security, but it fulfills, like I was telling you about the teaching, it fulfills something deep within me. I love sharing ideas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you love this element of your work. So it's going to be worth it to always work on it. And you're going to get income from these different things. And sort of, I think of it as like, um, explaining it as like, if you've ever DJed the mix board and sometimes you're listening to a song and there's like really hot horns and you have to turn the highs like way, way down and you have to turn the mids <laughs> up. And so like life is always a negotiation like that. Like we're never not sort of playing with like what needs to go up and what needs to go down to, to figure out what it is that we are. But the main thing that I talked to them about is what are your expenses? <laughs> Write them down. This is how you start pricing things. And you always pay yourself for your time. I tell them that they, they don't always do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always do it appropriately um, because some things are worth like making an investment in. For example, this past year, as I've been building my business, I didn't have a website invested in my website. I didn't have a scheduler invested in a scheduler. I needed to buy the um, use of the online platform that I teach my courses through. And I've broken even, but if you consider my time in all of this, haven't. But if I think of my time as an investment in myself, then I've paid myself back because I've invested this amount of time's worth of money into myself this year. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I never thought Light bulbs. <laughs> Yeah. And then you can feel really good about it. You'd be like, oh my God, like if I was making a normal year's income, like, Ooh, I just invested like $30,000 in myself. Hey, you know, like it, it feels better than just like, I just did all this work. <laughs> all my money that I came in, got reinvested in the, the like mechanics of it, uh, and the, and the learning processes. So anyway, that's how I like to see it <laughs> for now. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, especially like as you're getting started and trying to find your groove with getting clients consistently and everything. Like it's a beautiful way to, to keep motivated, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I know okay. uh, they have a project where oh sorry they even have a project mm -hmm. where they track what they spent on their markers what they spent on the paper and how many hours it took them to do and then we like put all of that in with their time and figure out what price it would be and you and usually they're sitting there like I could charge that much for something and you're like yes <laughs> I, mean, I didn't say you could sell it right now <laughs> <You're still doing laughs> it. <laughs> but yes you could charge that much and someone would pay you for it so that's so beautiful. Yeah, I think it's so important that students are learning that piece too. I feel like it's I, so rare in an academic setting. I 100% agree. And I started doing that like maybe five years into uh, my work because I, I was invited to speak to a group of freshmen and they were like, they don't know that artists can make a living. And I was like, oh, I'll talk to them. <laughs> yeah. and, I have and, a client. Oh. Um, really quick, I had a client, this just came out of me, I don't know now, uh, in my anti-capitalism program that just wrapped up and she has a BFA and she has always like loved painting and been interested in painting, but she never let herself pursue painting because of this, like, I can't make money doing this. And so she had other jobs and she had like, she had like artistic jobs. Like she was a graphic designer and she even started a graphic design business, but she just like was not happy with any of it. And the thing that she kept like literally telling us the whole program was like, I want to make art, but I can't, I want to make art, but I can't. And at the end of the day, I was like, I have listened to you week after week. <laughs> Tell me exactly what you need to be doing. You just need to tell yourself that it's what you need to be doing and trust yourself to figure it out, you know? Yeah. That's why when you're plant, when you're making your goals, when you're designing your life, when you're choosing what you create in the world, you have to take out the security factor because that's what she's worried about. She's saying, I can't make art because I, I'm telling myself that I need security and I don't believe that making art can give me that, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I saw, so I'm stuck in the like time for money kind of mentality yeah I uh, my heart goes out to her because <laughs> that is a like real struggle but then if you come back to the big why like I love making art because this then you still make it while you play the play the board with something else get yourself mm -hmm. feeling secure make the art or work on them both at the same time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's everybody finds their mix. I, <laughs> I, I hope she's out there somewhere listening to this podcast, making art, cackling. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like art gets complicated and I, I feel like maybe it's true of wellness and possibly also everything uh, because so much goes into the art market when we think about like quote unquote professional art and what goes into galleries and who controls the galleries and who controls the buyers and who controls what the buyers see. And that's why I think social media and self-publication have been like absolute up levelers for the mm -hmm. art community because they've given the power back to the individual to build their own community and sell their own art and all of that kind of stuff. Like, and that even Patreon for yeah. artists has been like, oh, look, I can, you know, if, if two, if, if, uh, if I have a big community on Instagram of like 4,000 followers, I don't even have that yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, let's say I do. And I'm an artist and they all love my art. And if they each paid $2 a month, 
you're good. There you go. Yeah. And that's such a like, I I know that this is going to sound weird, but that's such like a piddly amount of money for most, like for a single individual for some people. So like, it's kind of an easy decision. Like, Hey, you all get an extra video of me making art for $2 a month. Like support me. Like you love this art, come over here. Here's an opportunity to do that. And so I think the internet has been like really good for like disrupting the, um, the the art system and the way that money flows to the art system and the way that power and attention are driven by that. But there's still a lot like with everything in the U S right now, I don't even feel like we've hit the surface of all the like dirty shit that's been going on of, of people in power and, and how they have not been doing a good job of being inclusive with the power that they have. So that is my 20 cents on that and when we start looking at it in the art world I think we're going to be like holy shit (laughs) so yeah I know we're shaking our heads yeah just taking a deep breath (laughs) I know there's there's so but I I think also and this is the exciting thing because about teaching art um when you put your work up on the wall for critique uh and you get feedback on your art um, there are always people who like, don't want to do it. Like they don't want to know if there's something wrong. Cause they just thought, Oh, it feels so vulnerable. But, <laughs> but if you flip it and you think of when I look critically and I don't mean like, Oh my God, everything you made is shit. Like, no, I mean like, Hey, I don't know if you realize that you have blue only down the left side of your painting. Maybe you could use some blue on the right side. When, when you start thinking about things that way, it's not a problem that you have. It's actually like a place where you can give love and attention and create something even more beautiful. And so if we're looking at like changing our world with that kind of manner, like we saw some shit, like (laughs) we've been through some shit. There's more shit. Shit lives in me. Shit lives in you. We're committed to ferreting out all of the shit. Um, But it's not, it's not just that it's this like beautiful place where we can like learn about ourselves, learn about each other and, and make something interesting with it. Anyway, my opinion. I love it. Yeah, I love true. your opinions. That's why <laughs> <for them. laughs> so you're here. Um, okay, I am sorry because I feel like I'm taking over this conversation. So please jump in <laughs> at any point, Lali. Um, I, I I don't know. My ears are ringing. I got questions. I'm like, this is an important <laughs> moment for me. Um, uh, that is my double Leo coming out. 100%. We're coming up on this new moon and this full moon in Leo soon. And I'm just like, all my Leo energy is making me want all the, all the focus all the to be on me. Um, <laughs> I'm totally happy to focus on you. I have something in Leo, but I forget what it is, but there's like one little thing over there. <laughs> um, okay. So my next question for you, and now that we framed that, I really want to transition into this sense of like, being a wellness practitioner and feeling worthy of receiving money in exchange for that. And I want to talk about it from two perspectives, if that's cool for you. So first, like from the perspective of I am the wellness practitioner and I need to work on my sense that like I am worthy of being compensated and not just like a little bit, but like I'm worthy of being able to support myself if my on my list for the universe is like, I want my full expenses to be paid through this work like 
how do I get behind that? But then also if I'm like the, the client or the potential client and I am feeling weird about paying that much for a wellness practitioner, like how can I remind myself that like this work is actually worthy of the exchange that the practitioner is asking? So from those two lenses, go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's so, there's so much. And actually, before I get to those two lenses, I want to validate anyone out there that has gone into wellness because they have, they're seeking to solve something that's wrong with the system. And I am a hundred percent with literally everyone who is in the boat of like, we have a problem in the U (laughs) S people cannot get the care that they need. And I'm going to take it one step further Everyone deserves wellness. Everyone deserves care. I also, I, Emily Schumann, am not capable or able to change the entire system in one day, (laughs) in one moment, in one hour, in one year. And it's going to take like a whole community and a lot of us thinking about um, wellness and care, be it allopathic care. And for those of you who don't know that word, that's like physicians. (laughs) That's like your standard medical care in the U.S. is allopathic care. All of us like working together to change the system so that more people can get the care that they need, period. And everyone's needs are going to be different. That's the other like really big thing that we have to realize. So I think that that wellness practitioners, specifically healers, get in the modality of I'm doing this to help people because there's so much wrong in the world and there's so much wrong with people. And I have this amazing gift. Uh, whether it's Reiki or the ability to, um, I find myself frequently able to like, listen to what you're saying and then tell you what, help you know what your purpose is. Like you told you what it was, but I heard what you needed to hear and what you just said and can now reflect that back to you. And Mm -hmm. everyone has this like beautiful thing that they have to offer most healing, well, all healing practitioners, you wouldn't be a healing practitioner if you didn't have some modality that you feel is efficacious and helpful. Mm-hmm. But getting past the like idea that you're going to like heal the entire world all by yourself and you're going to do it and it's going to be this like Herculean thing. Like you're not, get over it. Like <laughs> you're, going to, <laughs> you're going to help people. You're going to create wonderful change in the world. You're going to do all of those things, but you cannot do those things effectively if you are living in scarcity. And so if you come from that perspective, there's another one too, where we don't, um, and I've struggled this one where we don't believe people will pay us for it. Or it seems so simple to us. Like our gifts are so easy. Like they come naturally to many of us. Like I, I do Reiki. What do you, can you tell me a little bit about, you do breath work, right? Yeah, I'm a breathwork facilitator and a tarot instructor. Yes, tarot. So you're naturally in tune with your intuition. And that Mm -hmm. seems easy to you, right? Mm -hmm. But there are people out there in the world that like me before I woke up (laughs) (laughs) that are living like so far from their intuition that that's actually quite a difficult thing for them. And, and they're willing to compensate you for it. So like getting over the idea that like, you're not going to get money for your gifts or that your gifts are so simple. So they don't really deserve money is Mm -hmm. kind of like another thing too, is just like 
occasionally taking a moment and if people like to journal you could just start with the journal thing like um what do i love about my gifts and how have my gifts helped people and then sit with that like take take one of those emails i know you have them or dms that are like you helped me so much my life is totally different and read that to yourself and then sit in the power of that and then decide what your pricing needs to be or you could do it, you can do it kind of like backward or not backward, but this is like what I was having my students do. when I told you, I, I asked them to like their art materials and their time. Okay. But if they're a professional artist, their art materials, their time, their rent, their professional memberships, their health insurance, if they're self-employed and <laughs> car <laughs> and food. All right, now how many of those can you make a month? <laughs> now, what is your, what do you need to charge for that thing? So you can kind of like do it backward, but like you don't have to live in scarcity to be of service, number one, anyone who needs to hear that. Like you do that not is- need that, that. And from an energetic perspective, like, I mean, you're still a good healer. I don't want to, this is not like, this is not abundance shaming. I'm not like, you got to be abundant and then you can heal people, but When I'm paying a healer or when I go to get a healing, I want a healing. I want the healer to also be in abundance. I want us to be in the vibration of abundance together as we're sharing healing and as we're sharing energy. And so it also doesn't feel very good to me if I am like online and let's say I'm looking for a Reiki healer or, or a breathwork facilitator and I'm online looking for one and I'm shopping for the lowest price one. Like that also feels like really out of alignment to me. And I don't know, I don't know if people, at least in the spiritual community or in the healing community, um, those who go out and and look for stuff, I don't know if they're aware of what they're engaging in as a vibration either when they do that. And there are some really interesting, like, um, I read the Akashic records and there's a really interesting Facebook group around that. And there, it is encouraged frequently for people to um, exchange readings, but a lot of people will get on those websites and they literally just troll for free offerings. So somebody who's trying to like get experience, which is good. Okay. I'm, I need to get experience. So I'm going to offer you something free. That's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's still a trade, right? Mm -hmm. But the person, there, there are people, I see them in these groups and they always comment on the free ones and they never you know, show up and support anyone actually, like mm-hmm. monetarily. And it, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about them because I, I really don't need to solve their problems too. I got, I, I'm solving problems for <laughs> other people already. I'm not also gonna solve your problem, but like, <laughs> but I dream. <laughs> of a world where um, we're in such abundance that we can support each other. And part of why my prices are what my prices are is that I am also supporting a community in India that I facilitate people going to, and it's my money and my time. They're not paying me anything. Mm -hmm. And so also when I do advertising for them, I'm supporting them that way. And I need funds to do the good in the world that I also want to do. I need to be... (laughs) I need to be in such abundance that things can flow out of me into the world to the things that I believe in and I want to support. So that I guess is a really long way to say (laughs) that 
if you're, if you're giving out healing from an energetic perspective, something needs to be coming back in. Even if you're a like baby healer and you're like just trying to learn how to do Reiki, um, return energy of gratitude from the person that you gave Reiki to, you could call that enough. You decide what's enough for you anyways. So this gratitude is going to be enough of a return, but you have to be, you don't have to, again, a choice. You want to be <laughs> maybe aware that anything that comes out also needs to come back in. That way you're not creating a vacuum of emptiness for yourself, or you're only ever in the energy of giving and never in the energy of receiving or vice versa. As some of those people on Facebook I shared with you are only in the energy of receiving <laughs> and never in the energy of giving. And even like a, um, a really good uh, recommendation or a willingness to come on a video and tell people how great the session with you was. That's, that can be a return if you want it to be. I, I like, at the risk of sounding like a horrible human, I like money because, <laughs> because I can do things with it. It's a, most people accept money as a form of exchange. So like, this is why my prices are the way that they are. But I also have a little caveat on my website that says like, you know, if you're in scarcity or if you desperately need healing, I have some free work that I do. I also have discount and pay what you can, but you have to be on my mailing list and you have to already be supporting me. That's my exchange for that. Mm -hmm. To have access to me and my time and that sort of thing, I, I, you need to be involved. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and everybody decides what it is <laughs> that, they, that they want. And this is another thing I used to tell my students. Nobody decides what you will accept in exchange for your art, except you. So like a gallery director can be like, I think I could get this much from it. Um, but you ultimately are the one who decides whether or not that flows away from you. It's also really not good to like hoard shit either. <laughs> so here we go with energetics, same with money. Like you don't wanna be sitting on a giant stack of money and it not going anywhere because that's essentially communicating to the universe. Hey, universe, I have enough, don't send anymore. Mm -hmm. And like saving is important, but also like understanding that flow needs to occur so that again, you're in the mix and you're inviting the mix in and you're saying, hey, I want this, let it come to me. Mm -hmm. Did that kind of answer the question? I don't know. I think it did. For me, it did. How do you feel? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I addressed it from the person getting there or the person giving, but yeah. I think I, you did both. I think the, the thing with the Facebook groups was like a missing puzzle piece that I hadn't had before because I think a lot of the times with business and with wellness, you can start to feel like, okay, I am doing a lot of things for free. Like this podcast is a thing for free. And I have some mini courses that are free and I have a whole Instagram account and everything on there is free. And I email out journal prompts for free and I do a lot for free. And like, I feel like there's an energy of, you have to kind of accept that there are people who their whole, where they are in their journey right now is that they consume stuff for free Yep. And that stuff you maybe hope will like stack up and stack up and stack up and they will have some kind of change in their life. 
and maybe like they'll go out and become a practitioner themselves or they'll start doing something in the world to reflect the change that the free stuff is like awakening within them. And that's an exchange. And that's an exchange that I've been like wrapping my mind around. But the thing you said about the Facebook group and the people who their whole existence is trolling for free things and they, and, and, and it tends to be the people who are also like offended about the pricing and the people who like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? There are also sometimes just people who are out of integrity Yes, and it's okay to acknowledge that, you know? Yeah. And they're going to be who they are, but this is the, I, like I said, when I went back to the university and I knew that the exchange, the monetary exchange wasn't fair. What it was feeding me though, was the, I call it altruistic joy. Like when I teach you how to do something you didn't know how to do already. And then I watch you succeed. Something feels really good in me about that. Like it just lights me up. And so I'm sure, well, as a Leo, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's something that the free things that you're offering are feeding back to you too. Like the podcast gives you a chance to talk to people, you know, like it's that way for, I would just say like with me, what I have to do with my free stuff is I have to check in. Does this feel good? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't feel good to give, then I don't give it. Mm -hmm. Even if I said I was going to (laughs) Mm -hmm. like I canceled (laughs) live events before because I like woke up that day and it was like a free live event and I just didn't feel like doing it. And I was like, this is out of alignment for me today. So I canceled it. Didn't reschedule it. Sorry guys. I can't do this. but it felt good to do that. <laughs> like I needed to not do that. So I didn't in, in, um, and people know that I kind of, well, I, I, I'm not flaky, but I don't know that I would do that if I was being compensated for it, but I also probably wouldn't have felt like I didn't want to do it if I was being compensated for it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so currently I am not doing events like that anymore. Yeah, I know. And so I think that's like kind of the important like little nugget there is that, it has to be, it has to feel good for you to give. If it doesn't feel good for you to give, then you're sending out the energy of giving while also trying to protect. And so it's like a weird, like, and the free stuff doesn't do what you want it to do. Cause you're also blocking it. Like, no, I don't want to give this while trying to give it. It's weird. Um, kind of thing. Yeah. I I, see all the, all the hand gestures you're doing. Cause I feel like it's so helpful. To see. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh no. I thought we were like, video recording (laughs) for the listeners. I had a hand going away and the other hand blocking it, trying to pull it back in. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like we could talk forever about that, but um, yeah, the energetic of of what goes out from me and what comes back in into me Mm -hmm. and uh, what I allow to occur is something that I'm, that I think it's like always a dance. Like you put something out, you see what comes back, you see how you feel about it, then you determine, you know, what needs to happen. And sometimes you start to put something out. And if you're listening to how you feel about the thing, you're going to know what, if it needs to keep going, if, if you need to pull back in, like, you just have to be kind of aware of it and, and what you're willing to give. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you really wanted to talk about? Let's talk a little bit about the perceived value of of spiritual knowledge, Um, because there's sort of a a unique perspective that I have having lived in India. 
And let's preface this with, I feel like a lot of what I see is people um, who are so on fire for whatever it is that they've just read or found out or learned about, or perhaps something that they've been studying for years. Like a lot of times with Buddhism, um, before you sort of are approved to teach it in the community, you spend like seven, 10 years in a monastery, just with yourself, with your thoughts, um, with the teachings and in satsang where somebody gives you teachings and you're in the process of receiving them before you start giving them. And people are so on fire and they're like, finally, someone said I could talk about this. Ah! And, <laughs> and so they, they want to give it. And also, I feel like our spirituality as humans is part of our birthright. Of what makes us who we are. It's part of our voice. It's part of our existence. I mean, we are humans having a spiritual, or we are spirits having a human experience. <laughs> humans having a spiritual experience goes goes both ways. But I I think that there's a tendency toward um, not wanting to exchange money for that, or like money somehow making that dirty. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I kind of want to to like changed the dialogue around that because if you think about what you put into it like retreats cost money i when you go to a monastery in india like you're actually expected to give a gift and it's so interesting like even if you even if it's not a monastery let's say you go into a temple and um there are these little they're not little but they're sadhus there these um mostly men in orange robes that sit with each of the deities And so you can go and have a like blessing from them or ask them a question and they'll give you a spiritual answer. And one of the key elements there is that they can then request of you, it's called a dakshina. It's not an offering, Uh, that's different. The offering you make to the God or to spirit, but Mm -hmm. this is actually um, an exchange to acknowledge the value of what's been given to you. But a dakshina actually traditionally is small, to acknowledge the fact that what you're being given is of such great value that no amount of money could ever pay for it. Mm-hmm. And I like get chills when I think about it. <laughs> but the beautiful thing is that that temple and that person is supported by the offerings that are given to the gods. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that like the community will come forward and bring them food and that they're supported and valued by the community in a way that that we haven't as Americans and specifically uh, as a, a mostly Christian country. Um, I mean, tithing, I, I grew up Catholic, full disclosure. Um, German Catholics on one side, Irish Catholics on the other side. We work really hard, <laughs> we go to church, we do what's right. And unpacking that has been a very special journey for me um, <laughs> because I didn't fit into it. And, and according to a lot of the traditions, I'm very wrong. And um, and that's okay. I don't need you to approve of me to approve of myself. But, <laughs> but I, I think that we're taught like, you know, you give 10% to the church or something. Uh, and that like most of the religious leaders that we experience have taken, you know, vows of poverty or aren't supposed to be wealthy. And, and so it's, it's a really interesting dynamic when you start like thinking about it and getting into it. And I would just say like, again, 
with, with anything, if you are giving out spiritual knowledge, if you're teaching something, somebody something about spirituality, there needs to be an exchange. So either the process of teaching needs to feel really good for you. Like, oh, I shared it, sharing felt good. And that's what I'm getting in return. But it's also okay to ask, <laughs> like, hey, you guys, here's what I'm willing to give for free. And here, here's what I wanna share with you just in this platform, because I think it's something everyone should know. And also I have these teachings organized in this particular format. You can come learn about them from me and, and get my mentorship. And this is the monetary exchange for that. And I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that. Like I, I sort of want to destigmatize that, but it also takes somebody standing. This is why I was so glad that um, we were in, I don't know if I can talk about this or not, but uh, I, took, <laughs> I <laughs> took a course called the Launch Incubator with uh, Sarah M. Chapel, And she talked about show, helping people understand what you're teaching them to do and showing them the value in what they're doing with you by talking about what they get out of it, like what their transformation is and what's available to them after they learn from you. And that was so revolutionary to me. Um, and then, and then you price it based on that, like what would sort of somebody be willing to pay for that kind of transformation and thinking of it that way was really, really interesting to me too. Um, coming out of academia, I, 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 I didn't set the price for the course that it's my course costs the same as my art course costs the same as a history course, costs the same as a, a course to become a nurse. All of the courses cost, taught, you know, cost the same. Mm -hmm. All I had to focus on was what are you going to teach? <laughs> How are you going to teach it? How can you get good relationships with the students? How can you ensure their success? And so it's been um, interesting also being on the end of that and, and stepping into like, these are the modalities that I'm aware of in the, what I launched when I launched with Sarah was a, a six month course. And it's um, like sort of an academic perspective on multiple spiritual modalities and then like led practices with them as well as group coaching and one-on-one -on -one coaching and, oh, and getting that. people like going down that path. But then I think the other thing that's really, that was kind of hard to do when I was pricing that was, like this information has value, not just your transformation, but the information itself. <laughs> like, I, I took this course. I took this course. I took this course. I studied this for this many years. I, you know, I, I paid these people. I traveled to India and sat with sadhus like, and, and so that has been really interesting too. <laughs> Cause there's, there's the philanthropic, the philanthropic tendency to want to like share it like I've got you know I, I want everyone to know this mm -hmm. but also like there needs so that this is sustainable for me so that I can keep doing this so that I can pay back the tradition that a lot of my teachings come from I have to ask for an exchange in order to do that and that's part of what's kind of important for me can I share this this is a practice that I I like doing um I will light a candle <laughs> and I will sit in front of the candle. And I, I like to think of, of the flame as like the flame of knowledge, light um, it, sing a little song to it, invite knowledge to be the flame. And I hold my hands around it, not in it, <laughs> <laughs> I feel the warmth. 
And I imagine sending what is inside of me, like the, um, the way that I feel about the, the teachings and the way the teachings have helped me feel. And when I was calling my students in and I was calling in the, the reciprocity of the cycle, so me sending it out, but me also receiving it, I, um, I would picture sending it out to the amount of people I wanted in my program. And I, I got one less than the amount that I wanted. And, wow. and it, it seemed incredible to me to be sitting there like with my hands on a fire, like picturing, I wanted 10 people. <laughs> So I was picturing my fingers as the people I was sending the, the, um, knowledge to. And then I was picturing, I, the, the flow coming back to me and I was just opening to whatever the flow wanted to be, uh, monetary flow or, you know, like, but the flow returning. And that was kind of like my breath work practice that I did when we were getting ready to launch before I needed to work out all of the anxiety of the launch. I was, <laughs> I was doing the love, the love cycle and picturing it coming back. And I, that was really helpful to me also. Another kind of thought on this that I just had while we were, while I was sort of thinking about like, what do you exchange for spiritual stuff? Um, I told you when I knew my job was going away, I had been like hoarding money, like a little rabid squirrel because mm -hmm. I, I knew I wanted to take time off um, and I knew I needed to support myself for that year. So I got enough money to be able to go to India, <laughs> you know, like to, to do those things and to like take care of myself appropriately uh, during that time. So I didn't have to necessarily like worry about that. But there was this fear that I had. So I had stored it all up and there was this like, since I didn't know when it was going to be returning to me. Mm -hmm there was the, it creeps in on all of us. It's like, oh, uh oh, this is all I have. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not I'm getting any more. Like making a little, and how would you describe what you're doing with your hands? Because I think it's mm -hmm. really helpful. A little circle wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little, like I'm making a cauldron in which I pull oh. everything that, <laughs> that is already here still toward me and get really tight around it. And um, I was listening to this, I, I was thinking about the energy of like what I wanted to call into my life. And I wanted, at that point, I wanted to call in more healing. I wanted to call in more spiritual knowledge. I wanted to go to India because I'd been learning so much uh, about meditation and mantra and stuff like that. Um, and also I love the food and the culture and all of the color as an artist. It's like being saturated in a painting anyway. <laughs> and so I, I had to risk that money. And I had to be willing to like put it out there and trust that even if I didn't know how it was going to come back to me, that it would eventually come back to me. And the hanging on to that idea that if I hoard, if I'm hoarding my money and I'm staying small and I'm staying the same and I'm not doing anything, I'm essentially communicating to the universe. No, I'm totally happy with everything. Don't send me anymore. Mm. And so I like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go big or go home universe. I want a lot more money take my money. <laughs> and there's a, there's an interesting thought that um, if you want money to come to you, you have to spend money on what you want people to spend money on you for. Okay. Which is, I just got that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't know if I like subscribe to that exact belief, but it's kind of an interesting thought because if I, um, if I want people to come to me for spiritual knowledge, then I should take some of my money and let it go out to other, you know, to people who are doing similar things to me 
or to uh, things that feed me spiritually so that I'm communicating again to the universe, to God, to whatever, whatever it is that you believe is in the great beyond. Akasha, mm -hmm. dark matter, dear dark matter. <laughs> <laughs> I am teaching myself to believe that when I put my money out here for spiritual things, that, that it can also return to me for spiritual things. And that as a, also as a like cognizant practice has helped me a lot too, because at first, and this was a interesting conversation that I had with my husband when I was like, so I broke my back and I was going through the healing and, um, I couldn't dance anymore, which was a huge part of my life. And I was spending all this time at this ashram learning from Dr. Rebecca Martin and, and I was spending a lot of money on it. And I was like, you know, this weekend, I'm going to learn how to be a psychic. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 and like, I can't, like, I would look at him and I'd be like, I don't know if I'm comfortable spending this kind of money on it. And he would be like, Emily. And then I would also be like, I don't know if it's real or not. Cause also there's not like a, there's not like a little light bulb that actually goes off above your head where you're like, bing, like that was my guides, like, like a little timer or something where they're like, ding, you're awakened now. Like, I don't, you have to go through a process of like learning what your voice feels like and sounds like to you, testing your voice in the world, letting the messages come to you, taking action on them, seeing which work, seeing which don't work, ferreting that voice out from the voice of your anxiety. All of that takes time. I'll wrap this up. <laughs> but like he said to me once, he goes, does it change how you feel? And I was like, yeah, I feel good. Like whether or not I completely understand who I'm contacting when I do mediumship yet. No, but when I do it, I feel super connected to the universe and I feel connected to myself and I feel in my power and I feel joy and I feel secure and I feel all the things that I was looking to fill with money. I fill those all through spirituality. And he was like, well, then just fucking spend the money. Go to the retreat. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really thinking about like the contrast between what you're saying, like the difficulty in trying to invest in yourself when it's like something spiritual that you can't like see how you're gonna get the money back but something like academic it's like you're almost expected to put yourself into debt because this is like the only way to make money and I'm just seeing the difference like why can't we see spirituality that way you know or even just recognize like there's not one only way to get your money back by spending mm, money yeah. you know yeah that so much it always is entertaining to me uh we would used to have to do recruitment and parents would be like, if I let my child major in art, are they going to be okay? <laughs> and I, I would always just say like, they are going to be probably more happy than somebody ma who majors in business and hates doing business. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the other thing is most students, and this is the thing that kills me, don't end up doing what they majored in. Like most people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> doing what we majored in. <laughs> most people find, but they find their way. Like, and the, the thing is that academia in an ideal world and spirituality in, in an ideal world should be teaching you tools to navigate your life yeah. and to figure out who you are. And like, a history class tells you about who you are as part of a civilization that has a history 
and I like math teaches you who you are so you can do your taxes like all of them have little bits and and I think that spirituality just by its nature by its mystical nature by its ineffability by its unknowability has been uh, pushed out of the academic system you can major in philosophy some places offer spirituality programs uh, but the spiritual academics tend not to be the people who are actually channeling or doing the reiki or doing the things they they tend to be the people who are a left brain experience of those things and in my humble opinion to do good spirituality you need both sides of brain they need to be integrated. They need to be talking to each other. J- just like you as human need to be talking to spirit. Like it, you need the both. So it's, um, it is baffling, but also I think something that we could probably step into a little bit more and get better as spiritual te- teachers and spiritual beings is saying like, I, I mean, like I'm teaching you a thought, like a spiritual thought, but this thought will lead you to a tool that will help you understand yourself and help you have more success in the world and that's worth that's worth something <laughs> yes yeah oh yeah so many puzzle pieces have clicked into place and before we like wrap up I just want to share one small puzzle piece and I've been having this experience where I will meditate and I'll journal and I'll feel really like fucking awesome and I'll feel great And I'm seeing a tipping point where it's because I feel great that I do the things, not because I think the things are going to like somehow do something else for me later. Like, I'm just like, I love doing this. I love how I feel when I'm doing it. And so I'm going to make sure that I'm doing it. And that's very new. Like when I tell you, I probably have had these thoughts maybe twice before just now. And I'm just so grateful to you because whatever combination of words came out of your mouth helped me (laughs) feel validated in the thing that is trying to unfold within my brain. So I really, I appreciate you so much and I can't wait to hear what our listeners get out of this. Yeah, I'm super excited. Can I phrase that for you in a different way? Yes. Can I reflect that back to you in this way? Because I had I had this moment uh, once where I, I as I understand it or as I like to work it, mm-hmm. um, I, I noticed that I would achieve my goals and then uh, and then there wasn't there wasn't even a pause. There was literally just like a hunger for the next goal. Mm-hmm. And so there was like misery. <laughs> oh, I'm working so hard. I'm trudging through this shit. And ah, I'm pushing myself. I'm staying up late at night. Nah, 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 nah. Achievement. Next goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I started meditating during the process. I'm picturing myself already having completed the goal, how good it feels to have the goal completed, touching in on why I want the thing in the first place and how I think it'll make me feel and allowing myself to feel it like the whole way that I'm doing the process. So like, I'm working on building my business now. I feel good about my business. I don't have as many clients as I want, but I feel good with the clients that I have. And as I learn how to advertise so that people can discover me, I feel good about that too, even though some of it sucks Mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or it's hard to do. And then I had this realization once where I was like, oh my God, I feel so good all the time. 
does it matter if I get the goal? <laughs> yes, yes. That is like where I'm at right now. I'm like, does it matter if I get the thing? Because I already feel awesome just like in the process. I don't know, but yes. But that, that's like- your key to releasing the attachment from the outcome. And bizarrely, when you release your attachment from it and you focus on the feeling of having it, that's when it comes to you. Okay. Well, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's the energy that you need to be in to call the thing to you. If you're like manifesting, right? Like, and if I, if I want to, if I'm manifesting and I want a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever you want, um, let's just say, Oh, here we go. Let's say you want a dog. (laughs) That's a a neutral object. All right. I'm manifesting a dog in my life. If I focus on how, how much I don't have the dog, Mm-hmm. then it takes even longer for the dog to get there. But if I like sit in and as I'm looking through things for the dog that I want, maybe I'm not even seeing the type of dog I want. Let's say I want like a, a terrier mm-hmm. and uh, I'm looking through things that are, and I'm not seeing the terrier, but if I just feel like, oh my God, I have a terrier. He's sitting in my lap now. He has this great fur. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm petting him, listeners. <laughs> he's a little boy terrier, but he's already housebroken and he's so great. And we have such a great love. And I feel it. I feel this love with this terrier. Then the terrier will naturally be attracted to you. Like the, the circumstances that will get you, the terrier will start coming to you even more easily. And even if as you're looking through them and you're not seeing them, you're not getting frustrated because you're just like, oh, I already have it. It's fine. Do, 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 do. That's always when I find that the thing shows up is when I just don't give a shit. (laughs) I'm so grateful for you. We do have to wrap up, but before we go, let everyone know what you're up to, how they can find you. If there's anything exciting you have coming up, just, yeah, I'm sure people want to soak all of you up right now. (laughs) Well, I I would love to see what they're making and be involved in their process of becoming awesome humans. So I am, (laughs) my business is called getting into it. I think I mentioned I'm from Kentucky. So we have the getting not (laughs) ing, but G E T T I N and then into it. I-N-T-U-I-T, not into it, but like intuitive. I love it. And you can, that's my handle. That's everywhere. That's Facebook at getting into it. That's Instagram at getting into it. That's my website. Um, There's a ton of free offerings, but when this podcast comes out, I have, I'm working on offerings to support people in becoming better teachers and having better student retention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a monthly membership where we work on art together. You don't need any art knowledge. We have, we're, we're doing monthly creative acts <laughs> to help so us cool. know ourselves and manifest what we want in the world. And that is over on Patreon at Surprise, getting into it. So, <laughs> and I would love to connect with you all there. And for the people who want to be better teachers, is that like, in an academic sense or for like, who is, who is the person who wants to become a better teacher? I am specifically, well, we're not, maybe when you come on my podcast, we can talk about, (laughs) we can talk about this, but I, I am wanting to support people who um, have, are now waking up to the fact that maybe they want to do group classes and not one-on-ones. So like spiritual entrepreneurs and people Uh like that, who maybe think like, I want to teach something, but I don't, I just don't know how to teach. And I'm going to have another module for people who already have classes, but want to work on student retention or want their courses to be easier or want to become more, um, more, more better at presenting. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you so much, Emily. This has been it's so my fun. pleasure. It was good to get to know both of you too. So thank you so much. Yes. Yes. Ditto. Okay. Take great care and we will talk to you soon. Yes. Hugs right. for everyone. Hugs <laughs> for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Intuitive Wellness. If you enjoy this content, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews really help us reach more people. And as a thank you for a review, we will gift you a free intuitive wellness meditation and journaling prompts to help you prioritize intuitive wellness in your life. Before you hit post on your review, take a screenshot and submit it to the form in our show notes. We'll get back to you with your goods. Until next time, remember that healing yourself is active.